The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning. I'm Kate, and I'm here today with one of my favorite guests, Dr. Carol Pearson. Carol's the author of many outstanding books, including The Hero Within, Awakening the Heroes Within, What Story Are You Living, and Coming Out Soon, Persephone Rising, Awakening the Heroine Within. And um, beyond this extensive work that Carol Carol has done uh, on the subject of archetypes, um, she has also been the president of the Pacifica Graduate Institute. She's taught at many universities, including Georgetown University and the University of Maryland. And really, I think I first met you, Carol, when I became aware of a book that you edited called The Transforming Leader, New Approaches to Leadership in the 21st Century. And that book caught our attention just as the Institute for Transformational Leadership was being born in 2012. That was the year that your book came out and the year that we really got started. And you played a key role in the founding of the Institute and the initial thinking, and you even were a speaker at our our launch event, you know, adding context and perspective to the framing of an Institute for Transformational Leadership. So welcome, and thank you for joining me again. Well, thank you, and it was thrilling for me um, to have a book come out and then find out somebody was doing exactly what my book was saying ought to happen. <laughs> well, it was so well-timed. We were we were reaching for it, and there it was. And, you know, one of the uh-huh. things that made that book special to me is that it was a result of a collaboration, if I remember correctly, between a group of leaders and leadership theorists and uh, others who study and teach practices that strengthen leadership. And I, I remember that it was sponsored by the Fetzer Institute and that you all came together in, I think it was three retreats that actually were the, um, you know, the locus of the conversation that led to the incredible ideas that are in that book. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, almost. Um, there were more than three retreats, but it was over a three-year period. And um, what we did, we were interested in the question of what was working today. And uh, so we were bringing together leaders um, and people who study them and people who coach them um, to talk about what they were finding was working today. And uh, uh, that's really what generated this book. Uh, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience to be with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that so impressed me was the quality of their hearts and minds. Um, there just weren't, ego, weren't a lot of egotism. There wasn't a lot of egotism in the room. And in any of these dialogues, people were just hungry to learn from one another, share what they knew, 
um, and make some difference in the world. Well, it is a book that I recommend really to anyone who's thinking about you know, we we have the we sort of use the buzz, buzz phrase twenty first century leadership at at ITL to really describe this modern context for leading, um, and and also, you know, thinking about the requirement that we have to not not just lead, but lead in a way that creates a shift or a transformation. And I just think this is a fantastic resource. It's a book of essays, so it's very easy to read. Um, section by section or essay by essay and you know to, to I keep diving back into it but I want to um, turn to you again Carol it's now been um, a few years since we launched the Institute for Transformational Leadership and I'm really proud to tell you that we just are completing the first cohort of our Transformational Leadership Certificate this week and this is 14 students who are uh, accomplished leaders from all kinds of institutions who've gone through a six month experience with us and who are about to complete their certificates over the next month. This will be their final class session. And it's really put me back again into the conversation about what is transformational leadership and what is what does it mean to navigate the complexity that's all around us in the world. Um, in fact, just this week, I'm going to be opening the class with a, a discussion of leading in complexity. So I thought I would just start there with you, and maybe you can help me think about this. But I want to start with the simple question of what is transforming or transformational leadership? And often people ask me, is this a buzzword or is this something real? Um, Well, first of all, congratulations on the certificate program Um, being well on its way. That's really very, very exciting. Um, well, transformational leadership is, it's not a buzzword, it's something real, but it's also something that it's evolved over time. It was actually coined by James McGregor Burns, and he, he was a, a presidential um, biographer who got interested in studying uh, major leaders, and he moved, he did, he did mainly presidents, but he also I was interested in movements, particularly the civil rights movement. And when society needed to have some kind of major change, um, what are the leadership qualities that would allow that change to happen? And sometimes he even looked at progressions over time. For example, JFK um, providing the vision for much of the changes that needed to happen when he was president and then he was killed, and it was Lyndon Johnson who knew how to get them through Congress. Um, and, and he also wrote about uh, Roosevelt and uh, helping to inspire a, a country to realize a, a new story, that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Um, nevertheless, um, Jim, who I knew well, and he died recently, which was really sad, um, uh, was a truly great man and a humble man, um, but his his idea of what transformational leadership was still had the kind of great man quality to it. Who had the vision and the and charisma and could mobilize large groups of people. Not not that that's bad. I mean, it's a good thing. Um, but as the world has changed, the vision of what we need um, what we need for transforming leadership now is different, and it's different because the times have changed, not because Jim was wrong. 
And a lot of what you just said, Kate, about complexity is the major thing that's changed. Um, And I think probably listeners know that in terms of how interdependent the world is, how fast everything is changing, how it's very difficult to predict anything because everything is affecting everything else, (laughs) Um, and how that makes leadership quite different than it was in a time where it seemed like you could control what was happening. Thank you for for, for giving us um, that background and perspective um, about where this phrase transformational leadership came from and also, uh, you know, this idea that I, I love to be reminded of um, James McGregor Burns' um, theory that, you know, the societies must change what are the leadership qualities that allow that societal change to occur. Um, you know, one of the other distinctions that I remember that he makes is the difference between transactional leadership versus transformational leadership. Can you speak about that, Carol? Um, yes. I mean, he actually talked about three levels, but um, those two are the ones that are most um, current. Um, trans- transactional analysis, uh, um, leadership is um, kind of a, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's deal-making. Um, uh, it's compromise. Um, it's, and he also said that there was nothing wrong with that. That had to happen. Um, but that transformational leadership was something much bigger than that, and it it began with vision and a a vision that's positive and good for society, not just your own pocketbook, Um, and the ability then of a leader to live in service of a vision and engage other people with that, and in engaging other people with that, bring out their better angels. So everyone actually, he he liked transforming leader because he felt like the leadership process, if you're a leader, it's transforming you to become bigger than you were. And it's transforming all the people who work with you towards a common goal to become bigger than they were. Um, And the other piece of that would be that the that the outcome would be truly transformational, that is, structures would change. Um, examples of that, of course, come from a, a lot of the liberation movements that we've seen in the last 50 years um, would be examples of that where our whole society is changing because people have stopped saying, I'm, you know, I'll be support staff um, and wanting to be equals in the society. Um, and that's huge. Those are great examples, and you know, it's it's what I love about this topic is that as we as we explore it and examine it, you know, there's so many um, it, uh, um, I want to say inspiring principles. You know, this idea that working on transformation is transforming for the person who's working with it or on it or in it. I'm not sure exactly what the right vocabulary is. We've actually seen that, Carol, in our class at Georgetown where we have had these 14 leaders, very accomplished, as I mentioned before, um, wonderful people. And as the program has unfolded and they've uh, become immersed in the exploration of leadership and and their leadership, um, somebody said to me jokingly about a month ago, 
wait a minute, this is kind of a bait and switch. We thought we were coming to learn how to transform the world and others. <laughs> we are transformed, you know, uh-huh. but, but there's a real uh, sense that of um, a change happening from which there's no returning, you know, just a real um, new way of seeing and being and moving in the world, coming out of the experience of, of learning and practicing transformation. So it really validates this idea that you just shared a moment ago. And I, and I also really love how encouraging that is, you know, for those who are listening who maybe haven't consciously chosen to work on something that they would call a transformation before, not to be afraid to try it and to think about, um, you know, to open up, I guess, the idea that you don't have to have all the answers. You can you can take something on that's important to you and that is in service to something higher and let it unfold. Um, is there anything else that you think people should know um, about transformational leadership as a or transforming leadership um, as you know as as an as an idea before we talk a little bit more about how to do it? Huh. Uh, let me think. Well, um, one of the things I wanted to say about it is is how wonderful it is to do. <laughs> you know, there's so much in the society today that just says, you know, just get get money, get power, um, and there's something kind of uh, reductive about living in that story. And living with that motivation, and so it, it can seem like you're sacrificing if you live for something bigger than you are. But you don't have to. It doesn't have to be sacrifice. It can be. It can be moving into your greatness, and in a way that makes you feel much more fulfilled. And it also, it also allows you to have deeper relationships with the people you work with. They're not so shallow as many workplace relationships are, and they're not as competitive because when you gather together around something you all believe in, then you're connecting at the level of your values and your heart. And then your minds kick in on how to do this. Um, and and then that's a wonderful and fun process, and it's much more fun, I think, than jockeying for power. Um, so I think sometimes people think, well, this is just so big, but it's not. I mean, I think it's ultimately more human to be able to look at what's needed in the world and want to provide it, and that many of us have actually unlearned or been taught to unlearn that and to instead learn to be greedy. Um, so, I, you know, I guess that's the main thing I'd want to say. Other than how maybe, maybe we can get to at some point a little bit about um, more about what it looks like today. Yeah, I'd love to go there actually next. And, and I just want to add, you know, or sort of underscore something you said a moment ago, um, which is really that transformational leadership um, operates from values and from the heart, from a commitment or a sense of being in service to something higher and better, something that is for the societal good, something that helps the world. Um, And is it possible to lead a transformation out of 
um, greed, for example? Does it have to be an aspirational positive? Probably it is, but it's not what James Burn, you know, Jim Burns had in mind. Um, I don't think that you. Um, part of the idea of transformational leadership is that it is that you have to, in some ways, be what what you have to embody what it is you want in the world. So, if you wanted to, you know, um, I don't know, getting back to to Burns and his interest in, in the civil rights movement, if you were a racist who was going out there and trying to convince people for civil rights, you're going to have a really hard time being effective. Um, So you at least have to be for whatever it is you're trying to do. But the more powerful impulse is, the more powerful transformation comes when you stand there and people can know, you can tell that what you say you stand for is who you are. And they, they, they know that by watching you. And I think that's at the heart, actually, as, as you've brought me back around again to my mind is really on this class at Georgetown right now, but the, you brought me back again to thinking of, of them learning, you know, how to bring it all together, really, how to be authentic, how to be true to themselves, how to, how to stand for what they care about as, as human beings and as leaders, and how to connect that to their talent and their gifts and their skills and their... Uh, ability to to motivate and move other people into action. So we're going to um, soon come up on a break, you know, um, Carolyn, and, you know, I, I, I do want to talk a little bit with you about um, why this has come up, why transformational leadership is on our tongues today. And I know we only have a few seconds, but do you have a quick thought? We can come back after the break. Yes, because everything is being transformed around us, so a lot of transformational leadership right now is catching up. <laughs> Good point. I think we'll take a break and come back and pick up right there. Thanks for joining. I'm Kate Ebner. My guest today, Dr. Carol Pearson. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, Produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back once again. I'm talking to Dr. Carol Pearson. Her most recent book is coming out in October, Persephone Rising, Awakening the Heroine Within, and I'm hoping we're going to find some time, Carol, at the end of the hour to talk more about this work that you've been doing. But we have been having a very interesting conversation about transformational leadership. What is it and what are the conditions for it? And right before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, why is this coming up so much now? And you said, basically, we're catching up. There's a great need for it. Um, I thought we could pick up right there, and I want to I want to know more about what you meant by that. Well, a lot of that idea came from students that I was teaching at um, in an executive program, who were high level um, leaders like you are now working with, and they were saying things like, um, "Let's see, I'm where I'm a high level person. I, I never know the you know the army terms, but anyway, um, one of those ranks and." Um, I'm in Afghanistan, and or I'm in Iraq. A lot of my students were military. And um, we used to know what war was, but now we're in the middle of a city with a people who look different than us, and we can't tell who might be throwing a grenade um, at, at, while we're supposed to keep, them sa- keep the citizens safe while we kill the terrorists and, you know, to rip them out of their homes <laughs> and get loved. Um, you know, uh, that's, even what war is, is not the same. Um, we had people in corporations who were saying, you know, we have, we have the raw materials for what we do in one place. These are global corporations. We have, we've, you know, they're created somewhere else. They're put together and packaged somewhere else. If anything happens in one of those places, we're pretty shut down. And how do we deal with that? Because we can't control what the weather does, um, whether there's a political uprising. Um, And um, even in government, we had a lot of people in government, and what they were saying was everything we have is designed to slow things down so good decisions are made. Uh, and yet the world is going so fast, we need to act more quickly. And yet we don't know yet how to act more quickly and still have decisions that are not rash. 
Um, so those are the kinds of things that leaders are facing just everywhere. I mean, even I, when I um, took the position as, as provost and then president of Pacifica, um, when I when I when I got there, um, the first thing that happened is all the alternative schools in California were having an enrollment problems. Um, the Department of Education was upset about schools, unlike Pacifica, that were um, basically running on Pell grants and uh, and and not really delivering for their students and upping. The requirements for telling you know telling the world everything you were doing and collecting all this data and you know I, I felt it myself there were just all kinds of things that were happening that were so different from what my plans were and I I can't imagine that there's any listener uh, on this program who's a leader who hasn't had some of that to deal with where problems just come out of nowhere it seemed to come out of nowhere that you have to be able to deal with and deal with quickly, um, even though you're not, it's not at all what you expected. You know, that's really, uh, really interesting to hear you talk about that. It certainly resonates with me and, and, and what I see in my coaching practice, this combination of experiences, um, many mixed messages that we're getting, you know, slow down and make better decisions, go fast, stay caught up, get ahead, you know, the yeah. chain reaction, the, the thing that, you know, you can't control but are somehow accountable for. Um, and often these things are happening virtually or in different geographies. You know, there's sort of logistical and even time complexity to that as well. And, um, you know, the problem that you just said about um, things seem to come from nowhere, that it, things are happening so differently from my plans. And I remember a minute ago you said that, um, you know, that transformational leadership begins with vision and, you know, is it worthwhile to create vision when so many things are coming up and out of the blue and there's, there's such, such white water all the time? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, I think the old style strategic plan um, where you just you have a vision and then how to get there and then you follow it um, slavishly, and evaluate people on how well they did, no matter what was happening, is crazy in these days. But you have to have a vision to know to to know what you're trying to achieve. And but there's la- layers to vision. Um, a lot of people, the vision is very particular. This product by this time with this budget, as opposed to a more general vision. Do you see what I'm saying? That there, there's wiggle room in it. Um, it's this sort of product line we're going to be doing, and and we're going to be response. Here's how we're going to be responsive to customer demands and situations, in the way that we do it. The other piece of that is that you know more and more companies now are having focusing on their values as well as their vision and their mission. And a lot of times that's just an exercise and nobody pays attention to it. But when it's authentic, um, if you have to scrap the details of your vision, you go to mission and you go to your values. And though at that level, you can it, it can help you really know what to do. Um, you, ha- you have to have an anchor. 
that is deeper than your specific idea of where you're going to go. Because if you know why you want to go there and what it means to you, you can find another way to, um, to fulfill that why. Thank you for that. You know, actually, after I asked the question, I had a pang of anxiety since so much of the work I do is helping people develop vision. (laughs) If you had said no, no need for vision anymore, I would have been out of business. But but I really appreciate your answer and uh, and, and I don't think I could put you out of business just by saying something. (laughs) But I I think that, um, you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, seeing the future that we want but and seeing it with detail, with color, with with nuance, mm-hmm. but not necessarily in a rigid, all or nothing. You know, this, exactly this, or we have failed or not succeeded. You know, there's a kind of creative fluidity to the getting there, the the, mm-hmm. the movement from vision to strategy to execution to outcome, and I think that adaptiveness or that nimbleness maybe is the response to the complexity. You have to be able yeah. to be adaptive. Does that sound right? Yeah, and I think if you don't have a vision, it's much harder um, to be adaptive because then you're just thrown. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you you're, could, you're purely yeah, reactive. I mean, a vision is different than just having goals. Yeah, that's exactly If you just have goals, then you're just totally thrown when you can't achieve them. And a vision, as you say, is much bigger than that um, and can keep you motivated when things are tough. If you really want that vision and you believe in it, then you you find many more ways around your difficulties. You know, I think of when I when I work with vision, I think of it as a, you know it's a little bit of a cliche, I suppose, but as a north star, you know, it's it's create it and then put it out there in front of you and keep moving toward it. You know, knowing that the path you take to get there may vary from what you first thought, but that guiding idea, the vision, is going to show you where you're going. And and I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned this um, because it is, you know, where it relates directly to complexity is is this, this ability to be purposeful rather than purely reactive. And I think that, that we are at the mercy of some of those forces you were talking about earlier, needing to go fast, needing to slow down, needing to be thoughtful, um, you know, dealing with things beyond our control and and almost taking for granted that somehow we can do all of these things. And so having that bigger view um, seems very important. You know, we were talking um, a little bit ago about sort of this 20, 21st century. You know, what times are different. And one thing that has happened in industry and sector one after another is disruptive change, you know, things falling apart, whether the financial sector mm-hmm. or the, um, you know, the, certainly newspapers have, have, have in media have seen big changes. Um, I, I have a client that's a big entertainment company, and so a client was just telling me last week that people aren't watching television anymore the way they used mm-hmm. to. That whole model has fallen away, and they're scrambling to understand new models. So there's all kinds of disruptive change happening and uh, and I've, I've described sort of industry level but there's of course societal level and and environmental as well and how does what is what is that kind of change is that part of the complexity or is that is that why we are needing to reach for transformational cha- leadership do you think 
Oh, absolutely. Um, and and even something I was, you know, saying about the nature of vision is if you think you're in the business, if you think you're in a particular business, that business may actually go. Um, you know, so, you know, some years ago, people who ran bookstores uh, had to confront, well, they weren't bookstores. They were knowledge stores. Uh, and then Amazon came along. You know, so deciding what it is you're trying to support in the world, um, if it's information that you care about, if it's books that you care about, if it's, rec- you know, if it was old, old-fashioned record stores and there are no records anymore, um, now, you know, people have to have a, a vision that is that differentiates what their deeper motivation is, what they're trying to do for the world from uh, any particular structure or form. Because, you know, companies now can start up so quickly on the Internet um, with no bricks and mortar and outperform all the, uh, you know, all of the more established places that have all the expenses of bricks and mortar. And, you know, you, you have to be aware. We all have to be kind of entrepreneurial in the sense of not just in, in the way that some entrepreneurs just go for the next buck, but, but obviously you have to make money. And, and, uh, but you can also do it around something you genuinely care about, being flexible in how you achieve that. And, but yes, um, the world is changing so fast. Um, one of the things that I'm concerned about, not only for businesses and um, other organizations, higher education, which I've been in, um, a lot of our, our local uh, accrediting agency, by the way, says that mo- a lot of colleges and universities aren't going to exist in 10 years because people are going to get their education um, very inexpensively online. Um, You know, things are just in flux. And the ability, the key ability, I think, for for transformational leaders is to have, first, a deep enough sense of who they are. And uh, they know who they are so that their, um, their sense of worth and who they are is not dependent on that, that it happens the way they thought it was going to happen. And, and a, a flexible enough sense of identity that they're able to shift in these times um, and change and become something, do something that they had not anticipated doing. Wonderful. You know, that reminds me of the, that, that shift you talked about a little while ago. Uh, you know about from um, from James McGregor Burns' idea of the charismatic leader or sort of the leader of the times. You know, to this modern context in which um, you know it's not about me. You know, so that so the leader is um, taking. You know, I loved exactly what you said. The key ability is to have a deep enough sense of who they are, and their worth is not dependent on having it happen as they said. In other words, a letting go of ego. ego. Yeah, um, and still having a deep sense of self, <laughs> so that <laughs> yeah, so that when they have to let go of one form, uh, they pick it up in another way. And I want to just take a moment to say, 
that transformational leadership doesn't have to be as big as the civil rights movement or the women's movement or the ecological movement. You know, it could be somebody who just wants, deeply wants an organization that is nicer to the employees or that is making sure that the products don't hurt people. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's whatever your values are, and it uh, it's transformation. Transformation can be big, or it can be small, and just right where you are. And all that small transfer transformation actually has a huge impact, um, cumulatively and with ripple effects that you never even know the difference it makes if you create a kind workplace. Um, And then employees leave, and they know how to do that, and they do it somewhere else. Um, Or just people's lives are so much better. So I want to be clear that transformational leadership does not have to be big. It can be really big, or it it can seem very small just where you sit. You know, I'm glad that you said that because I think that um, I think people, including me, benefit enormously from thinking of transformational leadership as something accessible that's really about you. You know, it's about your world. It's about your challenges. It's about your aspirations and the complexity and the opportunity that you are working with. It's not something happening out there somewhere, you know, by people at the top of some movement. It's actually something that we can work with in our own lives, in our own families, and in our own communities. And I'm I'm glad that you brought us back to that, um, Carol, because I I think this is for everyone. You know, this isn't something that, this is is an approach to leadership that our times are calling for, but we can practice it in any context, large or small. Right. Um, you know, I, I was talking to a leader the other day who was saying um, that one of the things she was working uh, on where she worked, um, which was a pretty fancy organization, is just trying to change the way people talk to each other. Um, you know, so if one person was complaining about somebody else to her, <laughs> that she would say, well, you know, you ought to talk to them about that. <laughs> Well, I don't think that's a beautiful example, and I hope maybe an inspiring one for people who are listening and taking this subject you know, on board today. We're going to take another break. My guest, Dr. Carol Pearson, and I are talking today about understanding the transforming leader. I'm Kate Ebner, and you're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. We'll be right back. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network founded in 2012 the institute for transformational leadership itl is an international center for inquiry experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. 
Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. I'm so glad that you've joined us today to listen and uh, hopefully be be provoked in a positive way by the conversation I'm having with Dr. Carol Pearson. We have been talking about transforming leadership, and I think we ended our last segment with a discussion about this is for you. This isn't something that's so big, so lofty um, that you can't access it. And, you know, Carol, we've also been talking about this, the conditions in which we're leading today, the complexity, and how the world has changed. And that it is, I think it's very helpful, actually, to call out that we're leading on, in, in a world that's very different than it was even a decade ago, um, and that we're seeing this kind of disruptive change and, um, you know, the falling away of old models and the creation of new things. And so the opportunity to get oriented and to understand what's happening and how to actually uh, lead in these conditions is very, very important. And I want to just ask one more question about transformational leadership, and then maybe we could talk more about your work with archetypes. And my last question about transformational leadership is, you know, we were talking about this is for everybody, and are there simple, practical things that someone can do when they decide that they want to work transformationally be transformative and to be transformed, where do you begin? Um, well, I, I say um, you begin by letting go of the idea that you're supposed to be larger than life <laughs> and show <laughs> up you. as a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things we were talking about that, you know, um, Kate, that you uh, uh, really excel in teaching people, 
um, about getting clear on your values and your mission and your vision, um, and getting clear of and getting clear about um, how to match that with other people's and be able to. As a leader, it's not only your vision; it's the collective vision and how to how to be able to listen and let go of some things um, and move with a group and to find that commonality. Um, with all the change to giving up the idea that you are um, need to know everything and, and show your curiosity so you can harvest the wisdom of the people around you and of other uh, thought leaders, um, and not just thought leaders, but the person who has a very ordinary position but can see what's going on. <laughs> Um, to just model curiosity and brainstorming and, and a team, um, creating, just doing things to create a sense of safety in your team where people trust each other and they're informed by a common vision so that people can let down their hair and problem solve together and try to put all the pieces together. Um, those are some really um, basic, really basic things to do. Um, having an attitude of being a coach for everybody that is um, that you're responsible for, so that you're developing their excellence and their um, their potential, and helping other people in your team to see what other people bring, because often you're the only one who really knows that. Um, so that people not only develop, begin to see their own virtues. And strengths, but can see that it's that you mirror it, and their team mem- the team members mirror it, and they that helps them move to their higher level of performance. Um, and Thank that you. also means apologizing when you grew, when you screw up. <laughs> yeah, that's Which, that's a great point, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not not um, putting forth as if you have all the answers, but acknowledging when. Um, there's the inevitable setback or, you know, left turn where you told everyone it would be a right turn or whatever it is, you know. Um, and, and you know, I want to recommend once again for those of you listening who might really like to dig into this, um, this book, um, the, this book called uh, The Transforming Leader is such a wonderful resource and such a provocative, I mean, it's a great book club book. We would just use one section or chapter at a time and then have great conversations, but a good place to start and to really try these ideas on. You know, Carol, we've been talking about this 21st century, this modern complexity, and I'm curious from your work with archetypes, which, you know, you have really given us an extraordinary body of work about um, how to understand and use archetypes in leadership. What, what kind of archetypes do you think are needed today? Well, there's a couple of old standbys that are still needed big time, which one is the kind of warrior in its role, not as a fighter, but as a protector of whatever your your mission is and whatever your organization is and the people in it and the caregiver to care for people and care for customers and or, or citizens or whoever uh, you serve. Um, and they're old, old standbys, and they really need to be there because everybody is, you know, people are stressed. 
by the modern world, just the difficulty of getting through a day with all the emails and the messages, you know, the instant messages and everything that we have to deal with, um, uh, not to mention something that's going to be surprising and throw, you, throw the day entirely off. Um, but I, there's some, with the new world we have, we need um, the revolutionary, which could let us let go of things more easily in in service of our mission because we have a tendency to want to have a a vision without letting go of anything. Um, And the creator about a constant process of being going with the flow of letting go and creating, letting go and creating, letting go and creating. And that together this also infuses what I call the magician archetype, which is actually very shamanistic, and we see, I see this in great leaders today, that that um, in this archetype you have a very clear sense that consciousness changes reality, and that if you want to change the world, you got to start with you, and that everything is connected, um, so that it. Um, you know, the the shamanistic kind of people have always understood that, even though now we understand it through social science, that it is, in fact, everything and everybody is connected. And in that particular archetype, there's also the capacity to know that whatever your position is in life, your changing creates ripple effects that go out into the world. And... Um, you don't have to be in control of all of it. You don't even have to know all of it to know that you matter and that everything you do during any day matters in ways that you may never know in terms of the impact that you have on other people and the systems in which you work. Um, so those are... The the other one I'd say is that the ruler archetype, which is the, has been the prototype for leadership, is still important, but it's shifting in in terms of it's morphed into being more facilitative, still strong. Um, But, you know, the old ruler is, I know the answer, I'm going to tell everybody what to do and punish them if they don't. (laughs) And now it's much more developmental um, in terms of being an educator, being a coach, being a facilitator, but still strong and still holding the responsibility um, for making final decisions and being accountable. Um, I guess last, the sage archetype, because um, I, which you could see as kind of scholar, expert, but also somebody who is able to, under, to have a very complex consciousness, cognitive complexity, and to be able to see the world in a lot of different ways very quickly. Um, one of the things that I do with people is to train them to um, look at a situation and tell six different stories about it, um, you know, with different narrative structures, uh, maybe different archetype, different archetypal stories about the same thing to get out of a locked-in mindset. So those are some of the ones that occur to me. What occurs to you, Kate? Oh, I love to just hear you you think about that, um, you know, and I, uh, it makes me curious actually about your new book and about the um, the unique contributions, perhaps Carol of women, and archetypally how 
how that um, might be a contribution. I have done a lot of work with women, uh, women's leadership, but also looking at women as change agents around the world, um, being able to bring maybe the archetypes of, um, you know, of, of at times mother, but actually going going beyond that to other other archetypes that women um, offer that seem to be uh, able to sometimes navigate conflict or uh, um, scarcity or a need for a building of community and common ground. And, and uh, I'm not sure which archetypes those are, but you've just written an incredible book called Persephone Rising about awakening the heroine within. And I wonder if you could add that to your thinking for us. Yeah, actually, there are four archetypal stories that come from Greek mythology in it, and two women and two men. <laughs> but I'll focus uh, in the time we have on Demeter as the mother, you know, and she's. Um, and what I what I realize is a lot of what's required today is what women have always had to do, which is to make change by influence, and you know you. Um, and to bring out the best in their children, and <laughs> that there are many. It's just not that women. I'm, I don't think that women innately are so different than men. But women's experience over history has created a different set of abilities based on what our circumstance was, and they just happen to be really good abilities for the the world right now. Um, uh, you know, which is to walk in a room and you don't say, here's what you're going to do, everybody, but you get everybody to come up with something and, and agree to it. It's, it's a much more collaborative way of working. And um, the, the, the image uh, many women leaders have is they're not, re- they're not leading from the top, they're leading from the center, just like a center of a of connected web that they're influencing. Um, and that's Demeter, that's mom. And the other one is Persephone. And Persephone, um, Persephone is the daughter in the story, um, and, but she also moves between the upper world of everyday life and the underworld of the eternal. And she's, deep, she's connected to something soulful and very deep. And in a very, very chaotic world, she, is, um, she finds her way Eros, which is um, in our society we see as mainly sexual, but in Greek society it was much better. It was much deeper. It was like you would notice, oh, this is the person I want to marry and I love. But you would also notice in the same way, this is my this is my job, this is my field, this is the work I want to do. Or I don't know why, but I have to I have to do this right now. It's a deep intuitive knowing. Um, uh, and so both of those archetypes, which are traditionally held and expressed in female form, although men can have them too, um, I think are exactly what's needed, exactly what's needed to balance out some of the very strong, positive, masculine qualities in the world today. Carol, thank you very much for sharing that, giving us a glimpse of, of the work you've been doing and connecting uh, women's leadership to the 21st century leadership context and the opportunity for transformation we've been discussing on the show. It is such a pleasure to have you here, and I learn so much from you every single time that we talk, so I want to say thank you for joining us today. 
Well, thank you so much, Kate. It was great to talk with you. Well, the pleasure's all mine, and, and I will say again, for those of you who, who are interested in learning more about Dr. Carol Pearson and her work, um, The Hero Within, Awakening the Heroes Within, What Story Are You Living, and Now Persephone Rising, Awakening the Heroine Within, are all wonderful, uh, very accessible books she's written. We hope you'll go and pick one up. Thank you for joining us today. This is Kate Abner. You've been listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.